On red days, I'm a tiger. Look at all the red hell there is in my shadow. On red days, I'm on red days, I'm on red days. You're welcome. Come on in, guys. Poetry night rings through. Listen, our feature. Let's talk about that. Let's have a featured poet. You guys want to hear some featured poetry? Me too. (sighs) Introduction. I've been involved with this poetry reading for over 10 years. Um, And in that time, I've seen many faces come and go. Uh, The amount of people that remain here, that were here when I began, are few. Um, through the years though, uh, a few individuals have come back to us and continue to come back to us no matter where they've gone on in their lives. Graham Isaac is one of those individuals. I've known Graham Isaac for over 10 years and I still like him, which hold on is saying something. I'm persnickety. I, uh, I quote Graham Isaac's poetry all the time. Because I can do that and no one knows it because he doesn't live in Bellingham anymore. And when I tell people they want to be eaten by wolves, it's just one more in-joke that they don't get. Graham Isaac, of all the poets I know, I want you to be eaten by wolves the most. <clears throat> Not because I dislike you, but because I think your poetry is delicious. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Graham Isaac to the stage. Oh, that's way better than the bio I wrote. What? (laughs) Yes, then I'll do Freebird. Filthy Jerry doesn't want to read your deep personal stories. He is too busy getting clean from his own. There was a time when every wall he touched was pasted with pages from zines, church bulletins, bar napkins, weekly personals, photos of the sun. The walls changed, collections grew and dropped, and now there is nothing but paint. Children run past him and try to put marbles in his hands. Dogs try to lick his face. Men without teeth put their hand on his shoulder so he can't walk away politely. Filthy Jerry is only polite half the time. Sometimes running between park trees, between closing bodegas and opening juice bars. He has heard it all. Well... 90% on a good day. At least 73%. And he has stopped listening. The visions of voices peeled off his walls every day through his mind and through the masking tape. Numbers remain the same, but contents diminish. The men at the Goodwill await his visit every 10 weeks, 9 days, 20 months. More mementos, the great idea he was trying to capture peeled, pieces of it in different states, or in his house, but far too heavy, soggy now, the leaks in the walls and drips from the corners soaking through another blueprint, dodging a chatty bus driver, he runs into someone with a cardboard sign, free hugs, no thanks man, but I'll take the sign when you're done.
The last day of my 20s, I stand in a narrow room where they ask questions about incarceration history and my sexual habits and steal blood from my right pointer finger and inspect my arms for veins and elbows for bruising. A tight, smiling woman in a loose white coat checks boxes. No tattoos, no piercings, no jail. Later, but not much later, I stare at the sheetrock ceiling as narrow tubes suck fluids from my body and gaunt-cheeked women with needles and tape walk slow. Skin swabbed and stabbed, rows of blue beds, arms flexing furious. My jeans are torn at the cuff and stringy at edges as they've been since birth. My mouth is crusty and dry like a childhood sickness. My shoes soft and molded to my feet like they will when I am fully wrinkled. This place is like a hospital. The ceiling is like a hospital's. The white coats are like doctor coats. The halogens are like. Beds are like, but they won't let you sleep. Starts and splutters, starts and splutters. Nurses thumping the sides of pillows. A man in a green mesh back, gray beard and freckled arm bolts! Almost yanks his needles out. We dehydrate on speckled cushions, lulled hard by barely audible films. This is like some other beds I've slept in where ceiling and lights and noises kept me from rest and I pulled blankets and arms off me before shuffling back into daylight and tearing bandages avoiding goodbyes. Staring down the rows of needled, placid, prison tattoos and smokers' necks, the man who unhooks me is haggard but friendly, gray, half-shut eyes and slicked hairs taps my novel and tells me if he could be anyone from literature, he'd be Aloysia from the Brothers Karamazov, the good one. I'm going to try not to break this as I read. Occasionally I flail about. Um, I'm not promising to flail about tonight, I'm just saying that... Uh, I have done that. This is called All Things Return to the Sherry's Parking Lot. Strip mall, concrete, neon. The cars, the cars, the cars. Camrys, Escalades, Ocasics. Tall dudes and short dudes trace their fingers over hoods, tap bumpers. Inside, carpoolers, the piled in a ride, the lone milkshake at a table of five. Everything here is deep and fried, hidden from clocks. A magnet for us, the crew, graduated from after-school programs, youth groups, leagues. Most of us couldn't throw a ball anyway, but before the future, just renting space. On the way in, I scan who's there. If I should hide my tea beneath my coat, check cars in the lines, the desserts, the desserts, the desserts. In the moment, there are no moments, just banter, endless coffee, powerful servers, and non-existent ones. The manager, suspicious and arm-folding, or maybe the forgiving hot one. Please let it be the hot one. Today has been so long already, and these booths just want to hold us. Alina was a week left to live when we had our last real conversation at one of these, 3 p.m., I think, in Centralia, Washington. I don't remember what we ate or what our friends ate. 
there are always at least three in a booth, unless one is a concerned youth pastor. But I assumed there was cheese. The next time, in these booths, there was silence. Terrible. 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 Until someone took the hit, rallied something loud, stupid, probably about hardcore, finer points of punk rock's ugly brother, usually saved for round booths. The congregation holding court and smokes outside for the non-straight edge. There is always at least one non-straight edge, was always, when abstinence, abstinence, abstinence was a thing. This may have been the thing that saved me. 70s pastels and an imagined 50s vibe. This booth here, years on, will probably save me from a DUI, regret renting space and sobriety as the lots that gradually coax farmers markets, mid-rise zones, and newly tattooed bartenders into strip mall vacancy stay the same, no matter. We're almost done. Leaving feels starchful and sugar sweet, like it always has. In slow morning meetings with injured friends, news about news and milkshake spilling gestures, walking through to our cars, the movies, the movies, the movies. The chicken fried steak like someone's mom somewhere used to make or do now. Mashed, mashed, mashed potato. As with then, light swing and jostle. We all have one too many coffees. Pass overflowing sig piles into paint, parking, arterials. <clears throat> the water fountain croaks like a dying elephant. Pipes clanging like they're being climbed by Spider-Man. All the character in the molding, in the window frames, can't contain the prayer circle's glares as Susan tiptoes back to her chair. The lamplight and candles, a man sitting on a pillow in a converted loft as office, event space, and cathedral for a new monastic's community faith circle. Downstairs, door propped open with a brick, a pierced girl waiting with programs and wide, wide eyes. We seek here to be seeker-friendly. In the friendly handshakes, ambivalent language, prevalent offers of food, or game-watching, seeker-friendly. In the full slices of Luigi's garlic bread and a good swig of wine for communion, seeker-friendly. Filthy Jerry sat in the back on Sundays, when he sat anywhere at all, in nice pants and a pair of loafers, worn but not holy. As the pastor passed it, Filthy Jerry's hands brushed hair out of his face, remembering his grandmother had told him you couldn't look Christ in the eye with long hair. The trouble at seeker-friendly congregations, besides finding the loft district in South Uptown, is the tremendous burden. Freed from ritual, from politics, from policies, the question, what brings you here today, assumes you know the answer, can define the it that drives humans in and out of large wood doors. 
in and out of stained glass rooms, in and out of automatic motion sensing glass doors, in and out of restored stone halls, in and out of carpeted conference rooms, in and out of bead curtain festooned incense chambers, in and out of thick metal doors painted an uninviting peeling green, in and out of moonlit clearings, in and out of modest 19th century converted barns, in and out of the last shanty on the edge of the sea, a perpetual virgin to watch and pray as you shake the salt out like fair, filthy Jerry tried to, even in the seeker-friendly. What are you here for? A warm place to sit? A view of flat rooftops? Probably a donut. At least... I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be awful right now and ask if anyone has any, any water that I can snag for throatness. Um, I'm really stoked to be back here. It's taken me a long time, not because I haven't wanted to come back, but because this is the first new thing I've actually put out since I came back from Wales. Mm. Uh, it's called Filthy Jerry's Guide to Parking Lots. Uh, Babel Salvage is putting it out, and you can get it for five dollars if you buy it from Poetry Night. But you first hand, yeah, five bucks from Poetry Night. But if you uh, if you wait and you order it off the website or get it from me, it will be eight dollars, and that is three dollars you could be spending on. Half a thing of French fries somewhere. Okay, so let's do a short one. This is uh, this one's for Rachel. It's called "All Things Traveling Northward." Between cruising USA's duck and crash and alien warfare, a decided sigh. A line around the block for Tacoma in faded plaids. Here. Above breaking red tile, I held your hand, anticipating February sunsets over the clean facade of Victoria, Vancouver's retrofuturism looming from nowhere. Tickets say northbound, but nothing so fancy, and buses take longer alone. If you leave me, I'll live here, amongst the crooked uniforms and rusted clocks, the Tokyo street fights, the bag all in German, and the Ethiopian man grinning slowly down the line who asks me for a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone here ever had a really shitty job? Yeah? This is about a shitty job that I had for about a week, because it was a shitty job and I was shitty at it. Um... Rival teams of charity workers eye from across Westlake Plaza. They collect for organizations with children and progress and America in the title and no new when they see it. You in a plastic coat, clipboard handed, begging someone, anyone, to shake your hand. If they do, Mark it. If they hear the entirety of your sentence, mark it. The entirety of your scripted paragraph, give yourself a point. 
work your way up. In ten years, you could be a large man with sad eyes staring out of a screen, trying to sell a mug of Stephen Fry's head for $45. It is impossible to have your hand shaking ready. Hold a clipboard and an umbrella so you know which you must forego. Your first of the day stops, cautious. They are listening, skeptical, but listening. There is a flooding in the Green River Valley. Uh, millions of newly orphaned Japanese house fires daily. That is, aware of how often you're shifting weight. Why I am here, you say, right now, talking to you. They melt into the crowd of coats and elbows. You're just lucky to still have your teeth. When a passerby covers your face in spit, company policy says to thank them. The man at the career desk spouts aphorisms. Oh, a little hard work never killed anyone. You just have to, uh, buckle down and charge ahead. And playtime is over. None of which, you point out, are help with your cover letter. The veteran competitors have different rules. They shadow strangers two blocks shouting, Oh, so you are just so fucking important! You can't stop and talk to me? I'm trying to save the world here, buddy! One fakes an Irish accent and smells of vomit perpetually. You shout... You shower constantly, but there is no way to smell good. Which is just the truth in life. If you smiled bigger, you could be a tooth model. With the right shoes, you could be a stripper assassin. With the right cigars, you could be a gangland kingpin. With the correct opening line, you could befriend a magic dragon and gain access to their hoard of gold. The others from your team are shaking hands, saving the world one signature at a time. Now men in blue coats who smell like whiskey juice surround you, brandishing clipboards like lengths of pipe. They warned you about many things, hurt feelings, colds, insufficient quotas. But when you went with conscience work, you know, knew there would be those who laughed, who smirked, who shrugged. But in the race for professional good personhood, you'd not expected to, the trips to come from fellow runners. When you strapped on the vest and waved down strangers for goodwill and pity, you'd not anticipated bloody noses from those who'd broken donuts with you, sipped coffee at the morning rally. Blah! There's only so much goodwill to go around, laddie! Plaza tables start to spin. Wow! You with the sad sack eyes and shovel, you're giving us all a bad name. Wow! Think of the team, asshole! Think of the team! You watch the passerbys of Westlake. You wave. Flows turn to kicks. No one stops. I just threw myself on the ground. You can at least fucking clap for that. Like Okay. I believe I am going Yeah, I'm a... I I did not actually get violently assaulted by other people who 
poor canvassers. But but poetry does do that sometimes. I'm gonna do uh one more short one short piece and then three medium pieces if that is copacetic. Okay, cool. Um so continuing in the all things theme, all things return to the jack in the box parking lot. Benadryl and Dayquil and on a good day, Oxycontin. Cheese and patty and on a good day, bacon. Sky over the lake smeared with clouds. Sign over dentist's office barred windows swinging loose. Crime watch posters above crumpled, unfilled DSHS forms. Church barbecue posters above crumpled, unfinished portraits. Here where nothing can ever taste sharper or cheesier, fuller here, where grease and meat clog and choke, rappers scuttle down the street like tumbleweeds. So here's my bad joke for the night. I was originally going to... um call this, for the sake of grammar, Filthy Jerry's Guide to Parking Frequently. <laughs> oh, why did I say that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, grammar, actually. Um, I'm also, I'm also a bartender. Right now I work at a pretty good bar that I like a lot. I used to work at this bar that this poem's about. <laughs> um, and this is after Richard Hugo's Death of the Kapausen Tavern. I can't edge the questions out with sound. The red walls sticking cables out for repoed televisions, those corners used to hold a gaze. The remote's still here, with batteries, next to the internet jukebox. Every bottle two shots away from empty, except the extra vodka. I used to have excuses at the ready. New shipment on Tuesday, repairman tomorrow. Now we are just running things out, and a slow head shake is all I muster. Have you heard the one about the bar that ran out of beer? You're about to! Friday stalwarts hold up their end of the bargain, staying for another quick drink, a song, compromising selection for support. The karaoke joke... The karaoke host cracks jokes about microphone Viagra to keep us all in wry grins, at least. The mermaid painted windows looking sad, or drunk, or both. But haven't they always? Two or three first-timers show, query about wino taps, beer spouts, and first stages of rust. Nothing dies slower than a scene. The old man who comes and leaves alone ready to sing us some humperdink, does so tonight. Evening edges on to 1 a.m., and still some singers treading the soft crunch of abandoned straws into the carpet. As engines zoom louder on down the arterial, someone asks when they'll see me again.
There's very little gas left in the car. There are very few cars left in the lot. There are very few lots left in the city. There are only three cities in the state, and the state is the only state in the Union. The Union is floating above a burnt-out tire factory, and the rest of the map spots are all shadows or foreshadows. Future ghosts of a held identity. Half geographic, half arbitrary, and hung fishes in tanned fox hides, the mix of oils, seawater, and fish sweat dripping from skins into mouths and eyes of children who really only wanted ice cream. The boy's father saw foxes on Bainbridge Island once, or perhaps they were just short coyotes, and he was thinking wishfully, this is a passed-on trait. Sometimes the raccoons in neighbors' gardens look like garbage-eating bears, and the boy grabs a stick. Sometimes neighbors appear to be new friends, and the boy runs towards them, hug-ready. The cartoons on the TV, a how-to guide, the boy and his friends had picked their prototypes. The father knew better. Too many cartoons, man. Too many cartoons. Too much TV, but what can you do? He's already learned to swear. And here he is now, very little gas left in the car, very few cars left at the pumps, very little charge left on his cards, such high for such a sour liquid, and the boy, by all accounts, now a grown man, frozen. Escape hinges on getting out of this cruel state, with this girl, by all accounts now a grown woman, but holding the gas hose, all he can see is himself and the girl, exploding and pulsing oranges, reds, and yellows. He knows... This is what happens at gas stations. Thank you. It's so good to be back. Um, there's so many people in this room that I love. Uh, I've actually implanted several mirrors up there so I can look. Um, also, if you are in Seattle on a Sunday night, which is, I realize, not likely, but on the 17th of February, uh, we're doing a release party for this book, and not only myself, but Ryan Johnson, the Jason Conger Word Orchestra, Emily Wittenhagen, and um, uh, a new comedy duo called The Great Consultation are going to read. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, and it's at uh, the Rendezvous Jewel Box Theater. You can get at me afterwards or get at other people. This is the last piece. Uh, and I tried to save the one that actually makes me snicker for the end because I realized this is heavier than some of this, than what some of you are used to from me. But although this poem's actually really horrifying and tragic as well. So, Filthy Jerry gets paid in store credit, in a bed at the end of the hall, in tartar sauce, nets, hooks, and whatever he can catch. Filthy Jerry takes the jobs that come, or sometimes they take him, unexpected, as he rides the bus, staring half awake and pleasantly rubbery at ads for new university studies. Call this number for a study of male sexuality in singles between 18 and 45. Filthy Jerry gets paid in breath mints, soap, and Febreze, in experience, valuable, valuable experience, references and resumes he can't turn in with dirty hands. Although, 
He washes more than you'd know. But once a nickname sticks, I mean, seriously, just ask impotent George, who's been running train on the Bethany Presbyterian Choir since 2006. <laughs> Filthy Jerry gets paid in oily denim, press collars, dusted air filters, and scrap metal that could turn into money if he does all the hauling. Gets paid in long-form infomercials from the 1990s. Gets paid in stacks of rubber-banded Lincolns and envelopes that inevitably come up thin. In the waiting room for food stamps, Filthy Jerry has learned his role is to sit. He knows the perfect way to sigh disgusted, blow a thin stream of cheese air up past lip hairs, is never surprised to come back another day. In line, to cash in after a game, expects a storm of crows to peck away his winnings before they matter. Death, taxes, outsourcing, neighborhood watch, sea legs, rust cuts, blackouts, neighborhood cops. He hooks his ropes, flies wide but repels back into corners, couches, coin star machines, printing the net total of realistic hopes. Into arms dinners that are glad to see him, the French Quarter skid row, the PowerPoint presentation, the photo shoot, the steady gig and wearying questions. The house he had and lost and had and lost and lost again somehow and then had and sold. Ten frogs in the pond outside the new housing development. He has learned the numbers. It is ten, exactly. Next year it will be five. Filthy Jerry gets paid in back issues of Architectural Digest, read on trams, trains, buses, the backs of lurch lurking pitch... The backs of lurching pickups. Filthy Jerry! <laughs> Punch silver stumbling Filthy Jerry! What the, what the, what the? In thin halls with blood on the wall. Metal offices covered in grease. The lobbies of porno theaters where his friends stroke themselves in booths. Filthy Jerry wakes up on the way. Two vouchers between thumb and pointer finger, thinly aware of how he got here, has no parachute, hovers over the far clean sunsets of the northwest and the gutted smog of California, rolls out of hay, hay bales to the skylines of rusted empires, naval fleets floating down the river, human galaxies spread and tearing, the late night recruiting ads of war, the community night classes of peace, the collar grab and face slap, Probes from idealists. Yes! I am here! I was there! And there are ways I'd like the world to be. But I am so hungry! And the only real thing is that sandwich in the window. And that is where I'm headed now! This is Graham Isaac, ladies and gentlemen. I like a poet who reads and then just gets right the fuck off the stage. Are you sitting on the sideline? Decades or something, see big old folder like that. Very unique silence. Poetry, 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 